podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. Now, it is our goal every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is... I Saw the Devil. And welcome to the fucking fifth and finally, final episode in Matt's never-ending birthday celebration. We are now in May. This is the first of May. We have finally made it to the end of this fucking tunnel of debauchery and sadness. Uh, Matt does not have much of a liver left, so we may be putting up on our social media pages that we need a, <laughs> need a new donor. He has <laughs> um, spent the whole month fucking up his whole uh, intestinal tract. Those of you who uh, are listening to this in the present day, it is May 1st, it is a Saturday, this past weekend was the great, amazing 93rd Academy Awards. And for those of you on social media, you saw Matt and I go back and forth with our Oscar (laughs) predictions and a few things we have learned from that experience. Number one, as you saw in some of my rebuttals, Matt (laughs) definitely... While he does say he doesn't like the Academy, he sure does seem to pick whatever anyone else tells him to pick. So, nope. Nope. Matt Wrong. is a front runner. And to express that to <laughs> you, Matt is a Boston Red Sox, was 
when they won. Now that they oh, cheated yeah, and yeah, lost, yeah. he's not. And now, lo and behold, he's a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Whoa, how about that? The year they win the World Series. Matt's a Dodgers <laughs> fan. Oh, how about that? So bandwagon. Matt's a bandwagon son of a bitch. However, if you notice, Matt did get 12. We, the ending was so horrific. We'll get into that in a second. Matt got 12 yeah, of his predictions right. I got 10. Um, however, there was also a voting section. And as you know, in this country, whoever wins the popular vote doesn't always win the election. But however, <laughs> I won the popular vote. And I thank you all for voting for me as you knew that my picks were not just the, oh, this is what all the expert thinks, as Matt went with. And hey, Matt's expert picks two- sucked. All right. They were great. We're going to get into that really quick before we jump into Matt's fifth and final movie of this never-ending goddamn birthday month. Jesus, it feels like yeah. it feels like a never-ending winter. Hey, at least <laughs> at least December's got five months. I said, it, yeah, so. this year it's five. This year we, so you, I get five. You, you, you get you get you get payback. I, yeah, oh, we're gonna drag it out. I, we're gonna have I, we're, <laughs> we're gonna, gonna do we're gonna do five gonna go to, movies <laughs> and we're gonna do four screeners <laughs> in that month. There are gonna be nine <laughs> yeah. fucking things that month. I'll tell you right now. We're twenty twenty one is going out with a bang. Uh, however, we are gonna jump to this amazing weekend that we got to see of absolute the academy awards once again doing what they always do which is show that they are safe for as liberal as they want to try to pretend they are for as progressive as they try to pretend they are with the most to date diverse probably field they've ever had yeah when it came down to the final three awards of the night they made sure that they played it safe they made sure that middle-aged to old White people and movies about them won the major awards because nothing is more riveting than a middle-aged white woman who lost her stuff. Shitting in a bucket. She lost her stuff in a small depression, in a recession, decided to go as only white people can do. Just, you know, say, fuck it. We're going to go off the grid. We're going to go into nomad land and we're just going to live. And that is a riveting story. You know, not not the Me Too movement story, not a story of black oppression, not a story of a Muslim male in the metal scene losing scene. Those are not. Not a story of a, a Korean family. No, not a story a of a Korean, Korean family, family making it in, in America. Can make it in the U.S. In the yeah. South. In the, in the South. South. Yeah. Nope, an old lady, a middle I'm sorry, not old, a middle-aged lady. That was the story. That that's the story that swept America. It was just a riveting tale of white people just persevering against all odds. Like how do white how do we continue to do it, Matt? How do us as the white population yeah. continue to make it through all these horrific atrocities? It's just we are really blessed. I mean, hashtag blessed white. Um, that is yeah. Yeah. and then we had the chance to I mean, two phenomenal yeah. black actresses portraying phenomenal real-life characters. Not good enough. A young white woman from Britain portraying a devastating look at the Me Too movement. Nope, not good enough. We give no. it once again. And I don't hate Frances McDormand, although her acceptance speech was fucking bizarre and short. And yeah. <laughs> even I don't a, know what the even f- She was on shrooms or something. Her, her, oh. her husband was, uh, yeah, his reaction, he, he seemed so bored. So she wins for, again, playing a middle-aged white woman who somehow perseveres through just un- unfathomable tragedy and circumstances. And then, now again, I love Anthony Hopkins. I, but there's, I don't hate Anthony Hopkins. I don't blame him for this at all. His performance was fantastic. No, it's not his fault. It's great, yeah. But you've set this up for Chadwick Boseman. Who yeah. in not, this wasn't like you're you just going to reorganize hand. the show? Yes, exactly. Which was awful in the first place. I right. hate the reorganization. But Don't do that. Like it was, it was the way they reorganized it, setting it up to be this climactic ending, and it exactly fell into exactly. his lap. 
into the sleeping lap of Anthony Hawking sleeping in the middle of the night in Wales. Uh, which, again, so he's, not, he's not... I mean, I've seen bits of this performance, and he is fantastic. And, like, I don't want to say, right. like, he's not... A, it wasn't like he was a deserving winner. But I think Chadwick Boseman, right or wrong, I think everyone thought, this guy's going to win it. One, because he doesn't have another shot at it, and he's been phenomenal in so many movies that he hasn't given... Yeah, he he, he could have been nominated yeah, for, the, been for given, the Five Bloods as well. But... yeah. He could have been in supporting yep. category for Five Bloods. And, and since and since they basically took two black actors who one had to be the fucking <laughs> supporting actor and one had to be the lead in a great yeah. movie, and they put them both in the same category. Yeah, put them in the same category. So that you basically fucking did it so confusing. that you could basically who was who was the lead in Jason Bateman's FDR? I don't know. So if they didn't want to give one to uh, Lakeith and Daniel, then they fought each other for it. Daniel very well deserving, probably should Obviously have been. Obviously, was gonna. And we knew it he felt would win like, it. like then that they were lining it up to be Chadwick and him. Yep. But no, they dropped the fucking ball again. Always, always fuck it up. They always drop the ball. They always make the wrong decision. They always have the wrong people voting. There's not enough diversity in voting, and they always fuck it up. And this year, it felt like every single movie that was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar won at least one award. It was almost like okay, we're gonna give. Writing to promising like a woman, uh, supportatory. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, everyone got le- at least something. You know, all the major ones. Yeah. There's no real surprise. Actually, the surprises were how bad the ending was, which actually isn't a yeah, surprise when you was, get to it. It was terrible. The only other uh, embarrassing and just cringy moments. Can we stop with the white actors or actresses pandering to the black? actors as they talk about their performances can we just stop that can we just have the people do what they used to do which was say the name show a clip of the performance so we don't have to have the uncomfortable white people full of white guilt just tap dancing to try to almost feels like you're talking down to them you know what i mean it really did i um uh what's her name yeah, Laura honestly, Dern, the, the she only, was going yeah, through the, the the supporting actors actors and she, like it just it, it, she, it she looked uncomfortable i don't think she is i feel like she was genuine like she but it just comes across as pandering yeah, somebody and else talking somebody down else to. wrote it like she's reading somebody else's just the only yeah. person that so that's what yeah it was definitely like i felt like hers was so scripted it was really awkward that's why actually the only genuine moment of the night uh with someone presenting was Joaquin coming out because ain't nobody gonna script him talking because that was not scripted him talking because he did not like his very bizarre unenthusiastic <laughs> talk of him Ugh. pretending like he didn't just win an award the year prior for the joker um which is at the same time he is a very humble person i could see him just genuinely loving everybody that performed but can we stop and the I ass kissing the you know what i mean like it, it comes yeah, across just genuine there was no ass kissing but by you know him. what i mean he, it's like that well you know yeah. i don't i couldn't i've never done a role as good as the fi- like let's stop look at your actors stop if you didn't think you're yeah. as good as them then why would you have ever auditioned for roles that they've auditioned for stop this bullshit Joaquin was kind of honest though cuz all those roles were roles he could not play true Without blackface or serious aging makeup, all right? So, yes, he, yeah, he like is you. right. You're, you he are right. right. This year, you are correct. By technicality. <laughs> so, but, yeah, so the Oscars, once again, were just a, a fucking abysmal train wreck at the end. They Once again, yeah. they just they can't figure it out. They just can't fucking figure it out. They just can't get it right. All right, well, anyways, we're now going to jump quickly to the start of this fifth movie. Matt, please tell us why you decided to choose this brutal South Korean film, which absolutely. I mean, brutal. folks, we've given you three South Korean films this year, <laughs> and they have all been tough stories. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not. If you don't, Ugh. you need to start watching some of these films. Like they just, 
The one thing you can say about Korea is they have a penance for brutality, Br- like brutal, yeah. brutal, brutal stories, brutal like, violence, brutal. Not just that, but it and... feels like they really dig into like real reality. You know, like even yeah. though these stories are brutal, they feel very grounded in reality, and a lot of them. Absolutely. Uh, maybe, oh boy, maybe not, but you know, still. And their yeah. taste for no. vengeance. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is seriously. I worry I think about it's all South that Korea. Tension that they have know. built up, built up with worrying about I North know. Korea being crazy and bombing the fuck out of them. They're very angry and ready to go. Like you know, you could say America, we're a very violent country, which we completely we show are. every day. But there's a level of vengeance that I don't think anyone is as close to what the South Koreans are with when it comes to wanting to exact brutal, brutal revenge on people. Yeah, the only person that. Comes comes really close to is the American as an American director is Tarantino and that's obviously you know he has been since the start of his career praising Korean film for the longest time he can't touch well, the way even that his revenge flicks there's I don't want to say comical but there's, there's like, like a, a car- comic yeah, yeah a comic, comic cartoonish it. it's cartoonish. side to it yep. like you know some, some, like the violence is like Kill Bill like when their heads are getting cut off like the blood is just over right. the top for the gore because it's also paying homage to the movies that he loved. Even, you know, Django and Chain. I mean, he's, he's blowing them away. Like, people are getting blown yeah. off screen like just insanity. So there's a little bit of that comedic element to it, but not yeah. in these movies. Not in the three no, movies we've not at about. all. These are, these are depressing. It is very... Oh. It's depressing, beautiful, and brutal. Even, <laughs> even like, in the revenge, you're depressed. Like, you're yeah. like, there's none of it's it, happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no. No. You just know that everything's... Everything's going bad. The joy Nothing's of revenge that right. Tarantino gives you is, is not in yes. any one of these films. Yeah. Like you feel good about like, yeah, she got him. You're like, yeah, yeah Django's free. And then you're like, in these movies, you go, right. Who's really, who's who's fucking with who in this movie? Like, you feel like everyone's yeah. dirty. Yeah, because with that, like, you know, I can picture in my head, you know, watching Eli Roth either bash someone's head in with a base, a Nazi's head in with yeah. a baseball yeah. bat or shoot Hitler in the face until <laughs> it is just destroyed while he's like smiling with the angriest smile on his face is comedic. We are getting a retelling of history that we all wish really happened where in this, you know, I won't talk about a film that we're going to get close to maybe next year on his birthday that we get another revenge killing at the end. Yes. But again, it has comic relief to it at the same time. Where it's a good payoff. We this, as the audience feel yeah. great about, you know, we lose we lose people along the way. Things don't always go as we ex- as we expect. But in the end, no matter what the end, you do you feel a bit of like justice has been fucking served. And in yeah. this one, and even all of them, you like people get their revenge. I think at the end they question, should I have even gone down this fucking path? You know, like it's like, yeah. should I have even taken the first step to get this revenge? Absolutely. No, yeah. And and that's why I, you know, I picked this film because after, you know, originally seeing Old Boy back when it came out, kind of dove me into watching more uh, South Korean cinema. And I watched this and was just devastated by it. It was just, you, you can't look away from the screen from the start all the way through to the end. And it is devastating and beautiful and extremely brutal. To say it's brutal, this is, I think it almost one-ups old boy. Like, it's close. Um, it's pretty close. I, I would say, because we don't want to give away too much, because some, some people may have already watched it, yeah. but the reveal in old boy. Mm-hmm. Is it's far more mind fucking. Yeah. Like when we get then, to the end of this movie, when we get you, uh, like the, like the, this movie. Well, yeah, the, the right. depth of what happens is like, ooh, it's heavy. 
Yeah, it's heavy. But in old boy, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, you're, you're like, like, this Whoa. is diabolical. Yeah, it, it is. This it's is complete. Like, this is. It's a this double is revenge like film, Cor- as we talked about. It's a yeah, double revenge it's, film. It's, yeah, we think exactly. the guy we're it's following like is getting revenge, South- but at the end of the day, yeah. he's kind of being lured into. He's like yeah. the he's the South Korean Lex Luthor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lex oh my god. Yes. He really is. Absolutely. He really is. Yeah. He's a fucking but genius. Yeah. Uh, I will uh, add in one other thing that this wasn't the reason why I uh, picked this movie, but I wish it was, is that Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger was so impressed with this film that he later worked with the director on a movie I never watched nor <laughs> ever will watch because I heard it's horrible called The Last Stand. Was that um, his but first I that movie was my back reason. from being governor? That was his first movie back in yeah, from being governor. Yeah, was his first movie back from being governor. He was like, a, he was like governor. a sheriff in a small town or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Walking Tall, but... Yes, kind of. Walking yes, tall. exactly. And we're talking about the original Walking Tall, not the fucking remake. All right, well, let's just jump into Matt's fifth and final motherfucking movie <laughs> of over. his birthday celebration. A secret agent exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases in Kim Ji Woon's action thriller, I Saw the Devil. This movie is directed by Kim Ji-Woon. It came out in 2010. It's 11, well, it's 11 years. Goddamn, time is really flying by us. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's 11 years in the, in the past. It is written by Park Hoon-Young. Look, if I, if I butcher, I apologize. I do enjoy saying the name. It's not the first just, time trying to say no, Korean I, names. No. This month, <laughs> or you know, this, this time. It stars a couple people. I'm just, there's two main characters. Lee Byung-Hoon and Choi Ming-Sik, who, if you don't know, Lee... Yep. Plays Storm Shadow in the G.I. Joe movie franchise. He's a phenomenal he Storm Shadow. Second yeah, movie of that franchise, much more than the first. And I am wondering if he's going to be in the soon to be released G.I. Joe, I forget the, what they're yeah. calling it, but it's a Snake Eyes movie coming out. So yeah. I don't know if he's going to be in it or if he'll be brought in, but he is a phenomenal Storm Shadow. And Choi Ming Sik is Daisu from Old Boy. And oh, yeah. we will talk about how that movie helped him <sighs> definitely <Yeah. laughs> move into, into this, this one. This movie was made on a budget of $6 million. It grossed worldwide 12.8, so it doubled its profits. Yeah, that's that's its pretty money, impressive. impressive. Yep. And to say just like the $6 million to make this movie, it is over two and a half hours long. Yes. It is shot yes. in multiple locations. Yes. Lots of pretty stunt work and effects Tons and of stuff. Oh my like God, practical yeah. effects not cgi yeah. all yeah. the practical no. effects brilliantly done yeah brilliantly done so good they must not the squib operators were not getting paid for this oh. film they're like <laughs> yeah well we're gonna get into that in a second ratings pretty decent it almost got yeah. a b minus it got a c plus a 7.8 imdb oh there we go yeah matt's a matt good job i'm dod Matt has put in his uh, application to be on IMDb ratings and also a part of the Academy. So he's going to get there one day, folks. I will. One day, one day. 
Over on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it an 81. I think critics are squeamish and can't handle the kind of revenge movie that the South Koreans put out. No. However, the audience gave it an 87. Still feels a little low, but again, I mean, you have to really start to get into South Korean films. And the reason I say South Korean films, because if you watch North Korean films, those are called propaganda films. (laughs) They're completely different. They're going to be more different. Yeah. Yeah. They're completely different. Kim Jong Un does not poop. (laughs) This reminds me of the interview. He doesn't poop <laughs> the intro to the, the interview where they're, they're singing about uh like sending the bombs to uh to like the oh, little green girls singing yeah. while they're launching the nuke to the u.s she's like oh god it's so good we're not gonna dilly dally any longer we're gonna just jump right into the top five reasons you should watch this movie the top five reasons to watch this movie number one is the brutal opening scene it is amazing amazingly brutal so I'm going to actually yeah. start the whole episode with this is a chance to be spoilerish the whole way through. So if you don't want to listen to this episode before watching the movie, then pause yeah. it right now, go watch the movie, and then come back to hear us talk about it. Because it's hard to talk about these things that are going there's, on yeah, without giving away no, some juicy bits in it. Yeah, there's no way. But we're not just going to yeah. talk about two guys, their chemistry, and then just allude to... You can't. It's impossible. What happens? Yeah. No, it's like yeah, talking about Kill Bill without they, talking about <laughs> all the shit she does to killing people. We would have to stop talking after the opening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you have three. All right, if you're still here, you've decided you wanted to hear more, so hold on to your asses. We're about to jump into it. The brutal opening scene. So the whole movie is set up from this opening moment. We get to learn about our two main characters, or at least bits of them. We get to learn about Choi Ming-sik, his character, who is Jang Kwong Chul. He is the serial killer. And yeah. we figure He's that a out. School bus driver. Yep. By day, so he is a some kind of driver. school bus driver for a, yeah, like a private yeah girls school. Although I'll be honest like, with you, the well, yes, that was a little shocking. So shocking yeah, that he got that job. Girls school. Here's a few things we learn about Korea in movies. <laughs> the police force <laughs> is awful. It is the worst. I don't know if they, except if, for the unless you're a special agent. Well, that's completely different. That special agent, he's yeah, like again. most likely dealing with issues. He's more like the CIA. Yeah, Kim is like, like yeah, a CIA yeah, yeah. agent for South Korea dealing with anything that has to do with foreign poli- like foreign inclusions and probably dealing with North right. Korea and anything that could happen with them. So he's most likely trained to deal with those oh, motherfuckers. Yeah, As we find out, we, we know he's we trained. We learn quickly, yes. But as far as the police force, it's a fucking episode of Benny Hill. Like we learned no, yeah, from murder. Fucking <laughs> stupid. Memories of murder. It's like fucking Barney, Barney Fife. It is Absolutely a joke. A fucking joke. It's unbelievable. They'll they'll never find you. Just don't. Uh, It's unbelievable. It truly is. A young woman's car is broke down, and we quickly learn that this is through a scene. She is the fiance, new fiance of Special Agent Kim. And they're talking on the phone. Her car is broken down. She's waiting for a tow truck to repair. Uh, Mr. Predator there, Mr. Choi Ming Sik. Of old boy fame, he shows up to see if he can help her. Now, when we first get introduced to him, he is in a minivan that is their bus, and there is this really cool, I don't, it's just fucking cool. I love how they did the shot, but we don't see him. All we see is the rearview mirror through the front windshield, 
and these mm-hmm. two glowing angel wings that are on either side, that book yep. and the mirror. Yeah, such creepy, a creepy, creepy fucking But yeah, mirror. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I saw the devil, and here he is having angel wings as like this interior yeah. light he uses. So I feel fun, like creepy. it's a totem. I feel like those things are something that he took from. Could that be. He could, well, yeah, we yeah, learned that that's... later. Yeah, could be. It's never discussed. It's just something that you can infer. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's so it. so creepy. Right away, it's such a jarring contrast. And since you know, I mean, the mood is set that something bad's going to happen. Like when you start a scene from a person's perspective, looking at another car as like a voyeur, and you're like back in the cut. No one's like, oh, this person's here to you know to provide a, a helpful service. You know what I mean? Like you oh, instantly yeah, no, feel yeah. like <laughs> yeah. shit is about to go bad. Shit's going down. But you throw those fucking cool ass light up wings in, and you're like. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know right away. And just the way it's snowing. Yeah. It's just very like it's just a very beautiful peaceful, shot. Beautiful shot. She's on the phone um, with the, uh, her fiance and special mm-hmm. agent. She's talking about how much she loves his voice and how romantic it is hearing his voice in the snow. You know, she's so optimistic. She forces him to um, sing, which is every she forces in him front to of sing, people. Like he's trying to hide out to do it. He's to trying her. to hide and sing, and it is. It's just like such a beautiful little moment between the two of them. He doesn't realize that this is going to be the last time that he is going to hear her voice. And yes. It makes it more so heartbreaking knowing, especially when you see him hang up the, like, stop singing because that idiot walks into the bathroom. Like, who the fuck doesn't not come in into this one? It's like, a, it's a one stall bathroom. What are you going to do? Stand around and watch him take a shit? Like, if he's in here, he just walk barges on in, interrupts the phone call, and he stops singing. And, you know, knowing afterwards that, you know, she's this is their last conversation it makes it even that much more heartbreaking that like you know she asked him to sing he went away and then he kind of quickly ends the phone call afterwards because he has to go real quick sidetrack i noticed that in these movies in korea obviously the way their bathroom setup are a lot different than ours it's basically like a bedpan and the floor and they basically just shit (laughs) into the floor here in america and probably other countries when you sit on the toilet it's a more relaxing calming Taking a shit over there, it seems like it's you go in there, you take the shit, you get the fuck out. Like it's there's no you, yeah. you're you're squatting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you're holding a squat. Probably a lot of us fat ass Americans aren't gonna be able wouldn't be able to do that. So <laughs> Oh no, no, no. No. Anyway, so we jump back. From that point, Jang, our serial killer, he then proceeds to knock on a window and try to coerce her to you know, let him help change her tire or give her a ride or whatever she needs. Yeah. And she says, no, I'm just going to wait. So he walks away and goes to what she, you know, looks like he goes to his, his van. Touches the, her window so creepy. Yep, like, and kind of waves. Yeah. And then he suddenly yeah. comes back once again with a hammer. I put that down. as like another fucking hammer-wielding psychopath. Yep. And he starts to smash her window and he gains entry and then he hits her and beats her in the head. And the violence with which he hits her, I'm surprised she was even, even not dead then. Because then... Right. It kind of puts the quick titles over. Then we get this beautiful overhead shot of her naked, wrapped in plastic. So I thought she was already dead, but she's not dead. And then what proceeds from there is, I mean, I forgot how brutal it was. It is brutal what he does to her. (laughs) It's intensely brutal. Like, she's pleading with him about she's pregnant. And it almost as if, like, that pissed him off. Like, as she's laying there asking, um, you know, him not to kill her. And then she says that she's pregnant and all this stuff. And then, like, as soon as she basically says that, he says, fuck it, and goes ahead and kills her. Yeah, that's what Finishes her off with a hammer. Then dismembers her. Then dismembers her, yeah. (sighs) We learned something also. 
If you are going to become a serial killer and you are going to do something as heinous as this, make sure that when you're dismembering people or doing things, any personal effects that these people have on their bodies, to include jewelry, you take off first and dispose of and then dismember. If you hear something hit what you think is a drain, don't assume it's gone. Make sure it's gone. All right. (laughs) Don't leave anything behind. All right. Last week, we taught you how to make a Nerf football pocket (laughs) Pocket pussy. (laughs) This week, we're explaining to you how not to get caught is your serial killer. (laughs) But that opening scene is, it's it's, it's It's intense. I want to say it's it's a brilliant way. It just sets it. Yeah, you. Sets the bar. You are now, what Kim Ji-Woon did was he now puts you on the you are on the side of Special Agent Kim. You now want this motherfucker oh, yeah. to pay you, badly. Yeah. You just want him to fucking die. And it's a brilliant nod for that because we're going to get on a, a roller coaster here of cat and mouse, cat and mouse, cat and mouse of what's going on. And the more that Kim fucks with him, the more we're like, yes, yeah, that motherfucker deserves it. And you're getting oh, set yeah. up. So we set, are set uh, yeah. up for some for, for a fall towards the end. Yeah. Now, speaking of Mr. Choi Ming-sik, it's a perfect way for us now to quickly segue to the second reason you should watch this movie. Number two. And that is Mr. Choi Ming-sik's remarkable performance as Zhang Kung Chul, the serial killer. He is... So good. As much as I love him in Old Boy, it's as if the guy from Old Boy had a brother who had had... Or if he, like, survived Old Boy in a different way and now pivoted this way, you know? Just went complete psycho and became a serial killer, yeah. He is one of the finest actors of any race, nationality, gender. He is amazing. And really, really good. I know he's not English-speaking, but how amazing would it be to see him, and we always talk about this guy, but in a Tarantino film, because I'm just thinking of Christoph Waltz. No one outside (laughs) of Germany or maybe even Europe has heard of Christoph Waltz. He appears in Inglourious Bastards and Django Chain, wins two Academy fucking awards for both those performances, and now Everybody knows who Christoph Waltz is, and he has portrayed one of the worst villains he's ever created, and what Tarantino said, his worst villain he's ever created, and also one of his more likable characters as well, and yeah. in, in the dentist. The, den- <laughs> the greatest dentist the greatest of all time. The greatest dentist of all time. It's a very similar kind of roles for Choi, because in Old Boy, we're rooting for him. We're like, dude, this is fucked yeah. up. Like We're like, man, if someone did this to us... Once again, yeah. we're sucked in, and then we you learn the, the truth, in. and you're like, "Oh shit!" You know, you and it's it's fantastic, and his performance in that is amazing, especially the ending. Yeah. As I said in the episode, when he is pleading for him, the guy not to give up the information to that other girl, and then in it mm-hmm. crying, and then threatens his life, and then goes back to crying, like that's a whole amazing scene of emotion. Yeah. And in this, very similar, <laughs> because as he's getting toyed with, I mean. He tries to yeah. play Johnny Badass, and then he realizes he's not. It just he's not. He's oh. in a complete. He always has a weapon. Yes, and he still loses. Well, no, he's so still it, when he his says ass throughout kicked. the film, he always fights his weapon because when he doesn't have one, he gets he his gets ass kicked down. quickly. Even yeah, so he quick. fights with a knife. He fights. He uses a hammer. He uses a fucking metal sickle. drain pipe, like that you just took out from underneath yeah. your sink. He is the sickle. Oh, he's brutal. Which he doesn't really land that one. <laughs> We're gonna get that in a second. Just, just his look in this. The difference in look between this and old boy. Like he, I'm sorry, he looks like a fucking serial killer. Like yes, he he's looks like he's, this, he's on a list. He does. Yeah, he he's got this uh, like calm yet like uh, just cold, creepy look to his eyes always, and just the way he interacts with people. 
up until they, of course, you know, he attacks them and they know that he's a serial killer. It's just diabolical. Everything from, like, the way he dresses, um, you know, to being shaven, having a shaved face in this movie, all adds to it. Like, he looks like... um, And that does... leads to a a very small scene later when they're talking to his parents and (laughs) his mom is shocked by the way he looks because, like, she hasn't seen him in years and years and years and he abandoned his son and abandoned his whole family. That I just wanted to hit on that. And I think I know what you're about to talk about. It also brings up... Two things about him. One, going with what you're saying, his ability to, no matter what's happening to him, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, he gets his fucking ass handed to him. He never once loses the determination to find the guy or continue, one, continue what he likes to do. Continue to survive. Continue to survive. Continue. And continue to be a predator. And that no matter what, that he, in his mind, he knows at one point he's, there's going to be a moment where this other, where Agent Kim might slip up. And when he does, he's going to get revenge on him. Like, not once is like, you know, some of the other people that Kim comes in contact with first as he's trying to find out who is of the four men that he has narrowed down to being the possible culprit for this, they crack quickly. Quickly. Choi does not. Choi's character does no, not. Even though he is, he gets brutalized, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, brutalized. He is forever the constant, like just bad, like almost bad. Like he has built up in his mind, like, and he even says this to that one friend of his. He goes, "I am Zhang Kung Chul," like trying to remind him, almost like I am yeah. Genghis fucking Khan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. you should tremble at the sound of my fucking name. You know, like he yeah. holds that power, and he's got a, he's all fucked up when he's saying it too to him. Yeah, like that yeah. guy has easily <laughs> overpowered him. In that moment. Every time, yeah. But because of who he is and how he just carries himself, no matter what's happened to him, is extremely impressive. You know, it it reminded me a little bit of, like, the Hannibal character, where Hannibal Lecter, no matter what, like, you know he's dangerous drinking water. You know what I mean? Like, no matter, he's he's brushing his teeth, you're like, he probably is going to try to kill me with a toothbrush. Like, he is dangerous no matter what he does. And, you know, both characters we've talked about who uh, play him, both Anthony Hopkins and Mads, when they portray him, every time they're on a screen, whether it's on the television show or what's in the movie, you always are like uneasy. You're like, oh, you never know. Like, what's what's he gonna do in one second? You know, he's it's that calm demeanor of like always in control, even when you're behind bars or, or tied up. Like, still feeling like, yeah, uh, no matter what, I'm still in charge here. No, yeah, he and um, you know, just his uh, his interaction with with the special agent. You know, the first time they run into each other, he realizes that he's a psycho. Yeah, and, oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, it you know what they say it takes a wolf to to catch a wolf, right? But I, one other thing, did you catch um, in the movie when he's eating rice? I didn't. On his I bowl, read it. Yes, I yeah didn't because um, I has six six yeah. six on it because he doesn't eat a lot. So I think it was at that scene we were no, just talking that's, about. That's yeah. the only time I think he eats yeah. in the whole film. Now. During this shoot, I think this is what you knew I was alluding to, Choi was so into character that he got an idea of beating up a random stranger who talked rudely (laughs) to him in the elevator, which he doesn't because he's about to in the movie, but then someone else is about to get in, and and he doesn't. He ends up real. He ended up realizing that he had like a Jim Carrey Man on the Moon uh, moment where he moment, yeah. had really started to turn Just violent. Yeah, yeah, during the shoot, <laughs> and, too far, in. and was kind of like freaking himself out. 
And so once the movie came out, and this has got to be tough for a lot of people who play these kind of characters. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins oh, went yeah. through it when after Hannibal came out. But he met a girl in an elevator who freaked out and panicked seeing him. She had just recently yeah. watched the movie. Yep. And to calm her down, he told her, I don't kill people anymore, so you don't need to be worried about me. I'm human, not a killer. So yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine so that as your, as your interaction. That would be the most awkward, like, oh, my God. To be the that woman that had to say that she ran into him and and he just said no 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 I don't kill people anymore <laughs> like that's not a he should have I'm an actor yes. that's what he should have yes. said not I don't kill yes. people anymore, anymore. Yes. Yes. you're not like you're not relieving the situation but it just goes to show he hadn't broken character fully yet he hadn't let yeah. go he was yeah, still, he was still in. yeah he was still in. Now, Matt had uh, earlier, a few minutes ago, alluded to when these two gentlemen meet, and that's a great way for us to jump into our third reason to watch this film. Number three. And that is the actual initial meeting of Predator and Prey. And that terminology flips in the movie one more time. But when we first meet these two, Zhang has just... They basically are nearing... They're basically closing in on him. Kim has finally figured out it's him. He... Went through three people. To, two people first. Because he was the third one. Two people. Yeah, he had three suspects. And I think I can't remember. I had to go back and watch it again. I think the fourth person he doesn't go to. I think it may be the gentleman that they run into. That we're not going to talk a whole lot about. That they run into in that house. Okay. Yes. Permanent. Yep. Permanent smile guy. I think he may be yeah, the other the, picture. I don't know for sure, but I want to go back and look because I don't know for sure. But yeah. after, after brutalizing two gentlemen, <laughs> uh, oh my God. he figures out it might be this guy. What he does is, is he finds out that he believes it's him, and he actually puts a tracking beacon on the van. On the, so he yes. follows the van, and luckily he does, because he's bringing girls home, and he's dropping them off. And about the last third of his trip home, bringing a girl home, he sees a phone call come from his job. And he knows immediately that they're kind of zeroing in on that he might be the killer. Yes. What we also probably should tell you is that Kim's fiance, who's dead, who was murdered, her father... Again, I, this is part of the story. It does feel a little cliche. Her father <laughs> is the chief of police in South Korea. Of police, yeah. <laughs> and since we're on this little subject real quick, when they eventually find her body, two things came to mind. Yeah. South Korean kids are just allowed to wander the landscape unsupervised. Unsupervised. <laughs> since the 80s at As least. You know, yeah. Un- As you know. fucking supervised. From 81, they are still st- present. They're just, they are by some water drainage by a bridge. These three kids, they find an yeah. ear in a bag. South Korean, like, yeah. it, it's like exactly. the dairy. Exactly. It's, like, it's like the burrows in it. <laughs> in South so Korea. no one's watching these kids. It's probably why Chin Ming Suk became a fucking serial killer because he was left to his own devices as a child. <laughs> so the police force comes, and of course, their idea of roping off a scene is the entire police force, while the rest of this country is being ravaged by whatever wants to happen yeah. is standing at the embankment and blocking them off like their hands like almost like a hands across America moment like yeah. that's <laughs> their idea of holding of keeping a crime scene they find her head in the water and so of course instead of you know being quiet about it they're very dramatic yep. very dramatic like a Latin yeah. novella it's very dramatic yeah. like it becomes yeah. very dramatic quickly some jag off comes down from their CSI, which definitely, definitely could use <laughs> our boy Redhead there. Because yeah, a young oh guy finds God. it, starts to throw up, and it would have been great yeah. if he turned and goes, go get a box. Don't lose your head kind of thing. Just, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get the, the who. Insert the, the who. who kicks in. <laughs> insert the who. Yeah!
So they get some bumbling idiot comes down and they put her head in the box and then you know and then this this wave of people just rush this the crime scene. Like now they find a body part. This could be the crime scene. This could be an active crime scene. Right. But because they find something, everybody rush like the Beatles have just come on stage. Everybody's yeah. pushing to the front of the barrier. So some jag off yeah. carrying the box with the head drops the fucking box and her head comes rolling out. I'm sitting there yep. going. I might go commit crimes in South Korea. I just might. I feel like I could get away with it. I feel like based on just on two movies, I am pretty. I am, I am pretty convinced that as long as I'm it. not in the major city of South of South Korea, I could get away with some crimes. Yeah. All I gotta do is do it near a school or some kids playing. They're gonna fuck up the whole crime scene. The whole crime scene is gonna go nuts. And then if they find a major piece of evidence, they're going to contaminate it by rushing the scene. So. And I, if and this I podcast the, stops and you hear that I've been arrested, it will be because I'm in South Korea creating, <laughs> yep. creating crimes. You're in South Korea. Yeah. What I what I love about the uh, dialing back with that scene is uh, the two references there. One, I feel like the ear reference with the boy finding it is a, is a blue velvet reference. Yeah, and with the ear. Yeah, because it's an ear. And then the, obviously with the head in the box is a seven reference. If this guy was there, what's in the box? He would have dropped the box at Brad Pitt's feet, and we would have seen Gwyneth Paltrow's yeah, head yeah. roll up to him. And there would have been like 30, 30 police officers to take Brad Pitt down before he yes. brutally murders John yes. The girl's father gives Kim this portfolio of the four people they think it might be. These are men who have committed acts like this before. Why are they on the streets? Yeah. If yeah. they are known for taking girls and possibly killing them and brutally killing them, why are they even on the streets? Like what? These are, yeah, rapists and murderers. They're just letting them. Just Clearly, they around. yeah. You could you could rape Living and together. just dismember a girl over there. We already know you have 15 years with which to get away with it. Dismember somebody and you seem to get out of jail pretty quickly. Yeah, and you're not on a list. Seriously. You're allowed to get a job nope. as a bus driver for a girls' school. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Fucking South Korea, yeah. get your shit together. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Our policing sucks, but in a whole different way. Yours is almost too soft. Like, you might want to get <laughs> yeah, a little edge to your policing yeah, over there. It's all Holy Bar- cow. It's all Bar- Barney Fife's. Jesus. Barney Fife's. <laughs> so anyways, that's how he eventually tracks him down. He eventually realizes he's been fired, and he pulls off to some greenhouse out in the middle of nowhere, and he is going to rape this girl. He's not going to kill her. His intention is to rape her and maybe bury her alive because he did dig a shallow grave to rape her in, which was creepy. So as he's about to rape this poor young girl... Mr. Kim shows up. He's blaming her for losing his job. and When he finally shows up in this greenhouse, stopping this rape, I love that Choi stands up, and he, in that moment, thinks... Man, you have made a mistake. You don't know who you're fucking yeah. with. I love that he is like he thinks he's the apex he's like, oh, you, predator. You just, you just came here by yourself. Yeah. There's no more other cops here with you. Yeah. You're just coming to take and me And he grabs down. a little sigh and he's like, I'm gonna fuck yeah. you up. And in the back of our minds, if any, if first off, if you've seen GI Joe before you see this movie, you see this guy Kim, <laughs> this actor Kim play fucking Storm yeah. Shadow, you know right away. This dude's good in martial arts. Like you, you're like, oh, he's gonna. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, this is gonna not. Up. This is not ending the way <laughs> old boy thinks is gonna end. This is gonna end very badly for him. And sure enough, he charges him. And god damn, if he doesn't get his fucking ass lit the fuck up, like he is getting. Yeah, he gets his ass beat so bad that at one point he gets up and tries to foot race away from him, which is a great tackle scene. Oh, he's just he's like, a, I gotta get away from him. Not even a tackle. He fucking he runs. Grabs the fucking bar, and swings, swings and kicks his kicks fucking him. ass. 
ass lays him out, and then that's when he beats his head in for the first yes, time. That's the third thing we've learned about at least the police work is one thing they will <laughs> yeah. do in South Korea is they will <laughs> brutal fucking, violence. They will definitely double dragon sidekick your ass. <laughs> yeah, that is what they're gonna shit. do. They won't solve the crime, but if they think you might be the suspect, they are but, gonna sidekick the fuck out of you. So be prepared to get a fucking sidekick. Yeah, like when they're turning in the reports at the end of the day, they're like well, I didn't catch the guy who did it, but I beat the shit out of four guys yeah, that I yeah. thought did it. All sidekicks. Just sidekicking the fuck out <laughs> yeah, of people. I just went walking down the street sidekicking people. Oh, he's just Johnny Cage in it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic, fantastic meeting because we now get to see the brutality with which Kim is, is, is willing to unleash on him. And he toys with him by hurting yeah. him. And he breaks his wrist like he shatters his wrist while he's knocked yeah. the fuck out and leaves Before him there. Before that, he's ready to kill him. He almost kills him. Yeah, with the bag. With he the, almost with asphyxiated the, With the fucking yeah. rock. Yeah. Well, oh, first yeah. with that. And then he picks up the yeah. rock. He's going to fucking just... Dev- he's done. If he hit him with that rock, he would have been dead. But he and doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't do it. And he fucking... Yeah, he breaks his hand. That's going to come back to bite him. It's gonna come back to bite and him. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, yeah, just the just the fact that again during that that Jung uh, says to him that you're psycho, you know he he's literally instantly tapped into it. Like when he mm-hmm. first goes and find knows that that is it's his wife that's murdered. He takes himself into he knows that he needs to become a monster to take down a monster. Here's the thing. The real difference between someone who's had some military training and someone who hasn't, who may just have a penance for violence, is you're taught how to at least control it and re- and use it when it's necessary. Part of the problem with PTSD and coming back from war is when you are amped up in that state for a year, six months to a year, whatever it is, and how many times you go over there. One thing they don't teach you is how to turn that off right away. Like, you know, you come back. Like when I came back, I, you know, I was on guard the entire time. I spent a whole year thinking everybody I saw who wasn't in our uniform was trying to kill me. So you're always on edge. And then when you come back and then they're like, okay, you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's hard to just suddenly go, oh, oh, that's it? You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're good? Yeah, just, just turn it off. off. You know, it's yeah. not like you're acting. Like one minute you're like in a scene and then like, all right, cut. And then you're like, hey, everyone's jovial and high five. And you know what I mean? They're having fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fine, yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, why don't you give me a head in the trailer? You know, that doesn't happen. So (laughs) Agent Kim is obviously been trained to kill. He knows how. Like, the difference between him and Choi is Choi is just devious and diabolical and just is like, ooh, I want to inflict this kind of pain because I'm just, that's the kind of person I am. Kim knows how to do it with purpose. You know, like like when my kids were little and they'd be giving me some crap, I said, you know, I know where all the pressure points are. And like I would show them, like I would just like watch this, and I would just like just touch them, and they would like drop, like like they would like just drop from the pain of where a pressure point is. You know, it's that like the soft spot <laughs> in, in your body. And I would show them, you know, how we had to do armbar takedowns. So like you, I can literally hold you with my two fingers in a position, and you will do whatever. Like almost like uh, Pai Mei when he holds her arm. You know, he's gonna cut it off. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you twist yeah, it in the right way, up, I will use very hand. little force but just enough pressure on you that you will be willing you go and do whatever i say you know so there's that difference you know between the two the two characters is kim knows how like when he breaks his wrist he knows what he's doing like he is he's slowly taking him out of the game you know but he may have been too smart for his own good as, as we find out later in the movie but he's slowly trying to take him out of the game while keeping him in the game long enough to constantly keep fucking with him more you know as he said he wants him to feel 
a lot of pain. He wants him to, before yeah. he kills him, he wants him to suffer, 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 suffer. And let's be honest, in all honesty, as you go through the movie, Choi's character, even though at the end <laughs> he may or may not have a similar, a somewhat of a last laugh, he definitely suffers way more than the guy's wife did. What happens to her happens posthumously. Like she's yeah. hit in the head and then eventually brained to death and she's dead. And then when he cuts her up, it's not like she's alive when it's happening. That would have been horrific. Yeah. She's already dead. So what he puts yeah. Choi's character through is far... First of all, he brains him every time he runs into that oh, motherfucker. That's how he Jesus. leaves him. That's how he's like, oh, I'm leaving you with your third concussion in the last, like, 24 he hours. He fucking canes him that once. He, like, he is, it's like, how he's not, yeah. how he didn't die, I, I don't know. Like, die, yeah. oh it's my a movie, God. that's why I like yeah, Exactly. But actually, the reactionary thing that happens after this scene, it's oh, the fourth so reason movie. Number four. And that is the cab sequence. After Choi so wakes up from his absolute ass whooping to which Kim <laughs> yeah. has now put a tracking beacon into him so now he can kind of hear him yeah, yeah. force him to swallow it's, it's it. a you know it's a high tech device like a James Bond device whether it's real or not I never yeah. really had the chance to really look up I didn't really care it was just cool enough I'm sure, I'm sure it's I'm something sure it is. Yeah, it's, it's, for sure but yeah he um he gets him to swallow that and again, now, hey, look, yeah. uh, both our birthday months have uh, 360 vehicle shots. Yours, Children of Men, you have got a 360 Oh, yes, 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 yes. Inside the, yes, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the, the, cam, the, the door then, opening because they do that again. Like, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. That, yep, I was like, that was your January. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so he gets, he's walking on this highway. He's, his his <laughs> fucking hand is fucked up. He's fucked up. He looks like he just got his ass whooped. He's just fucking yeah. miserable. And he's in the middle of nowhere. And he gets picked up by these two sketchy guys right off the bat. They're sketchy. Yeah, driving a cab. And we learn just how smart Choi's character really is. Like he, yeah, to be a serial killer. And yeah, I feel like we're doing a tutorial. <laughs> but if you if yeah, you're going seriously. to be a serial killer worth your weight, you should have some intelligence. And a lot of them have been shown to have intelligence. They just eventually either get sloppy or want to get caught. Uh, and sometimes they they're too they like they believe in themselves. You know, they think they're untouchable after they get away with it for a while. So they sometimes do get a little sloppy. He is extremely aware of his surroundings. So when he gets in, he notices the cab driver's very talkative. But what really sets, really makes him a little uneasy is the guy who's sitting behind him, his other pat, the other passenger. And as he's sitting there, and the guy's just yeah, running his mouth ball. talking about how, man, what luck it is for him to get two people in his cab this late at night, blah, blah, blah. He's looking, and what the guy who's driving the cab who we really quickly learn is someone who was there to rob the cab. Him and his partner have just either robbed and killed the guy who owned the cab or they just took the cab and now they're going to rob people pretending to be a cab. That's their, their thing they're going to do. But yep. on the dashboard in front of him is the license, the picture. Like if you get in any cab, and I think it's pretty much standard for most places, yeah. the cabbie's credentials the cabbie's is card, there. Yeah. And it's definitely not. And so he's sitting there and and the guy keeps saying, Man, what lucky night They're this just running, is. Running yeah. their mouths. Yeah. And the guy behind him is getting, you know, getting ready to kind of make his move. And just Choi just kind of runs his hand through his hair. And now he's beaten up. He's bloodied. He's got a broken wrist. Yep. He just kind of laughs. He goes, You keep saying that this is it's your lucky night. He goes, It's not. And all of a sudden he just fucking prison shanks both Yanks of them. He's got a little knife yeah. in his pocket. Pulls that he knife He is off. just prison shanking the Stabs fuck Stabs that one dude up. right in the throat the first stab. He gets him in the it throat. It is brutal. And then just immediately but it was starts. amazing. Like, I'd forgotten yeah. about that scene completely yeah. until it happened so again. So good. So oh good. Oh my god. And the camera just spins yeah. over oh. 360, the car, and it's just like, he is, he must inflict it, over 20 stab wounds yes. to both of them. Yes. And now the difference in this scene from 
from the one Matt was alluding to that we talked about in my first one, which is number our 14th episode, being Children of Men, is that camera was in the car. This camera is outside the car. That one, the outside, car was moving. Is, this one is definitely in a studio, which they're used because it's dark and you yeah. can't see anything. But they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so you, you can't matter. see anything. Right. It's completely darkness. Yeah. He is just fucking stabbing one, stabs the other, and this blood is going everywhere. It's just fucking brutal. Like it is. He's just, yeah, pretty much going back for back. Like he's stabbing the one guy a couple of times, go back, stab the driver again a couple more times. Like the fucking driver, like I don't even know how he's he grabs his neck, he's holding that like first wound that is definitely going to be the end of him. Like he did not need to be stabbed again. He is bleeding out within a few minutes after like because he got, got him, him real right good. in the left uh right in the right side of his uh throat and definitely yeah, got his aorta. Because that shit yep. sprays out and then he just it goes back and forth unleashing on both. And, and then the car eventually goes off the, the road, crashes. crashes. Yeah. Which Again, that's, this is where you got to suspend belief. None of them are in seatbelts that we know of. When that crashed, the one thing I would like to have seen is someone, one or two of them go through the fucking windshield because that's what's happening. Even if though they're yeah. dead. Yeah. As physics says, an object in motion stays in motion until an object stops <laughs> yeah. from being in motion. And they would have gone through the windshield. We instantly, instantly realize, like I alluded to earlier from, you know, we talked about the very first opening scene, is Choi's character, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, nothing phases no. him. Like, even though he just took the ass whooping of a lifetime, and he took an ass whooping of a lifetime, and he knows it too. Yeah. He's heavily concussed right now. He's got a broken wrist, bleeding out everywhere. His hair's slicked back with blood. His own blood. <laughs> His own blood. He realized then, he's like, this. he's overpowered. Like, the guy's just, like I said, he thought he was the apex predator. He realizes yeah. that there is an actual bigger shark. You know, right. he's the great white. Yeah, this, this is, is a megalodon this is the time he where, ran into. Yeah. Like, these two, and again, in the same breath in the cab, you know, these two cab burglars literally is what they're credit they're credited as <laughs> cab burglar one and cab burglar two. They think that, oh, they same are thing. the yes. apex predator yes. out there. And the shark, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a barracuda shark and they ran into a great white. Yeah. And they ran into a fucking great white because he shows that to them really fucking quick. And it shows that how, he, he, again, you know, the only thing that's keeping him going throughout this movie is his will to survive. Like, he is such a psychopath that he doesn't care why anyone's after him. Doesn't give a shit at all. No, he's just surprised how quickly they're onto him. And then and then he's kind of like those right. fucking he, cops. And, and then yeah, that's he's where like, He knows yeah, they're a joke. He knows the police right. are they're a joke so and that they're yeah. not that even if they come after him, like the only person who really was gonna be able to stop him is is Agent Kim. I think he realized he goes, whoever yeah. this guy is, like, like he even says, Are you a cop? And I think he realizes early on he's definitely not a cop. Like he's something else, whether it's military or whether it's, you know, I don't think he knows his special agent, but he knows he's definitely a level above the usual fucking oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. slap dicks that are chasing Come him. On. Like just in the first time they, they they fight right there, you know, he's got a, a, a scythe and this man is using hand to hand combat to Block, he, like he doesn't even get no. him once. I think he might get him one time no. with the scythe. No, because he turns him around yep. and he wraps the scythe yep. back around. His I don't neck. think he gets him and at any time. That was a great that he, part when too. he has a knife. I don't think he's ever. And we'll have to go back and watch it again. I don't believe he ever makes a cut or any slash to Agent Kim. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure he yeah. ever lands an actual physical blow onto Agent Kim. I actually think most of the yeah, time no, I don't he's whooping so. his ass. I think Whenever it's the he, other, yeah. the other two. Well, even then in the, in the house, house, yeah, but the one surprising, but because right. he's hiding from him. But when he is 
mano and mano, head to head. No one ever, which I love. No, no one yeah. puts a hand on him. Like, he's that good at what he does. No, yeah. It's like fucking Bruce Lee. It's fucking Storm Shadow. He, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he holds true to Storm Shadow the entire movie. You're like, like yeah, that's fucking. I, I was, that's what I was first saying. I was like, when he's like, you came alone. I was like, hey, motherfucker. I was like, I'm talking to the TV. I'm like, hey, Daisu, that's fucking Storm Shadow. You're about to learn, you're about to learn today, <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. That's Storm Shadow you're fucking with right there. Just from the way he looks at him, when he turns the lights on and he's just staring at him, like, Special Agent is not, he's just staring him down and he's got like you know his tears are welling up in his eyes but it's tears of anger he has almost like a, he's, he's like the south korean clint collected. eastwood's there you know what i mean like if clint eastwood yeah, if there was a south korean clint eastwood it was him he's just got that like <laughs> it would be him which is ironic because he was uh in the good the bad and the crazy that kind of remake of it the yeah. south korean western yeah <laughs> of it named after another famous uh clint eastwood movie the most famous clint eastwood movie probably this is probably hands down the single bloodiest scene in the movie and most yeah. violent scene in the movie because it's oh, so God, yeah. <laughs> fast and chaotic and you know you're claustrophobic because you're yeah. in the car and he is just fucking prison shanking him like it's brutal like it was amazing it's amazing we're now going to jump to our fifth and final reason we believe you should watch this movie number five and that is as we've kind of been talking about it's this riveting cat and mouse game between both special agent kim and our serial killer mr kyung and as we said so we've already gave you some spoilers so we can kind of we can kind of dive into this throughout the movie there's three Three or four times that they meet up. And each time that he catches up yeah. to him. Like he beats his ass, gives him a day to recoup, finds him again. And actually yep. usually stops him from doing another crime. Intercedes from that crime. Yep. Whoops his ass again. The second time was probably the most brutal one. He goes. <laughs> it's the morning. Oh. So actually it's, the, it's actually it's less than 24 hours. That he does this to him. Yeah, because it's the following morning. It's after yeah, the after cab. the cab, he it's goes to a doctor. When he's finally able to yeah. get to a hospital. And he gets, you know, he says he was it was some kind of soccer thing. I love that the old doctor's like, you know, no one uses their wrist to play soccer. He's not sure what the fuck, how bad a yeah. soccer player is. <laughs> and, um, Maybe he was a goalie and he got yeah. kicked in the wrist. <laughs> and so he sees this, you know, he starts to hit on this young desk clerk there. Very creepy. And he waits for towards the end of the night. He goes back yeah, in. Yeah, so creepy. And again, he then says, you know, last night I was about to have some fun, meaning he was going to rape a girl and then probably end up killing her. And so now he's going to rape this poor girl. And once again, in comes, and he doesn't see him come in. I love when he walks. He doesn't see him come no, in. Oh, yeah. Because he, he's listening yeah, no, but I'm saying, outside. He doesn't even come in the door you behind know, him. He, oh, so awesome. No, no. And he so good. ass whips him yeah. again. Again. The shit out of him. Just throwing him and around the room. And this time he cuts his fucking Achilles. Brutal. Oh, so brutal. Oh, it was it hard was. to watch again. I, oh, I was like, oh, fuck. So no. every time he basically meets up with him, he just continues to further fuck him up. Further, further fuck him up. Yeah. So, like, the first time he takes his first of the wrist. Know, now yeah. he's got a broken wrist. He allows them to heal. And that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is when she's getting ready to leave before uh, he cuts. The Achilles tendon, he says, tells her not to go far because he needs somebody to patch him up. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. It's like, hey, I know you're just about to be raped. Yeah, it's fucked but up. But you're going to have to patch this cock's across. Yeah, but you got to patch this guy up before you send Although him she may here. feel, you know what, okay. He may. He probably said, she's, look, she's, look, patch him up because... Look, I'll let you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna whoop this dude's ass another day or two. Like I'm gonna continue to do this. Yeah, Eventually, he's gonna be. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna keep coming worry. for him. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm not. I'm not stopping. This is. I'm literally having you patch him up, just to keep him moving, so I can keep following him. And then there's and the, yeah, there's the so third good. time at that yeah. rich person's house where we meet up with the other guy, 
it comes from again, and that's where you talked about a couple, ep- man, episodes back, and you couldn't wait to talk about it, but it was the scene where he has the shotgun, almost shoots him, but he kicks him, and literally beats him to death there, but he yeah. steps on the fucking oh, fish hook so and good. fucks them all up, fucks all those people up there. Oh, my God. I lo- that's so good. Yeah, that that scene, yeah, when they get to the house, the oh my, just that one shot is so great, uh, but yeah, that whole buildup. First of all, you know, he's downstairs, you know, they, they're all, they all had their little serial killer, like, dinner dinner time. Yeah, with, with South Korean Hannibal the Cannibal. Upstairs. Yeah, she goes upstairs. Yeah, South Korean Hannibal the Cannibal's there. She goes upstairs to fucking do whatever. And, you know, he goes into the basement. He goes somewhere, yeah. too, where he's, where he's stored and, the, yeah, this, I, the other woman who... Uh, there's clearly two rich yeah. sisters owned this house. There's no context, but we can just yeah. kind of build it. And he's going to now chop her up for yeah. dinner because he loves human flesh. Yeah. And we get... Mr. Special Agent comes in there, and Hannibal the Cannibal, he has some fun with him. Whew. He stabs him in the hand. With a fucking uh, screwdriver. I think it was oh, a screwdriver. Yeah, it was a, a screwdriver, fucking yeah. flathead screwdriver. Screwdriver. Yeah. Oh, man. And then he is getting ready to stretch, like, pretty much stretch him out. God even knows. We don't even know what the fuck he's planning on doing. Oh, he to says him it. He says to her, he goes, quickly. He's got him. So he's got his hands out, and he's got him, like, tied up the neck, and he goes, yep. Hands, feet, head, yeah, right? That's how you do it. So he's going to chop his hands off yeah, his feet and, he and his head. Yeah, pick. No, pick no. one. Because yeah. he says, because uh, he must have overheard them or something. Uh, it could have been a scene they cut. But he says to him, yeah. hands, feet, then head, right? That's how you do it. So he's going to chop his hands off, then his feet, and then his head. So he's going to do to them what he clearly does to these these other girls he's been killing. Yeah, except for he was keeping his ass alive while he did. He was planning on oh, keeping yeah. him alive while he did. Cut off the hands, cut off the feet, gets- few tourniquets, stop the bleeding. Still good to go before the head comes yeah. off. And it's just so great. Everything about, like, that part. And then, you know, of course, it gets interrupted by Jung coming in. Can't hit him with a shotgun. Like, I t- he does not get shot by him. Can't hit him with a double-barrel shotgun blast. He ducks under the table. He's so smart. The way he turns and runs as another sick shot, he grabs the blanket, throws it over his body to jump out the window, and then straight parkours up to the second floor of the house to where then he gets attacked by the female serial killer. Who he yeah, knocks her out, punches her <laughs> like yeah, a couple of punches. Yeah. Just punches her, knocks her out. She goes down like Sarah Silverman and waves. <laughs> yes, <gun>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> she does. And uh, then all of a sudden, Hannibal the Cannibal, fucking Fatty Magoo, comes up here like he's gonna do shit. He canes him and with some fucking like. It looks fucking, like a, yeah. it's like fishing equipment. He's got like a thing of uh, yeah. fishing hooks, and it looks like a spear, like almost like spear it's fishing hooks, like a spear fishing. Yeah, yeah, spear fish, like a metal spear. Um, and he beats, he brings that dude, and then yeah, then we get we see this awesome silhouette of him, the shadow of him coming up the stairs with the double barrel again, and he just throws those fucking, fucking fish hooks out like 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 the jacks, like he's hook. playing a game of jacks. Yeah. Oh my god, and it's so great. And then yeah, of course he, you get him the shot quick uh, close up of him stepping on it, reacting on his one good foot. The other one's fully cast, so he's barefoot with his other fucking foot. Steps on that, he's like ah, reacting, and we get that sick shot. That is timed so perfectly. I fucking whoever was the squib operator during that shot. They, I, I imagine they did not get that right the first time because to have that blow the way he has to kick that shotgun and it's gonna be all shot from above going up to the ceiling, and the ceiling is gonna blow out ahead of him. What uh, from the blast of the shotgun missing him. And then he just fucking that he literally pummels him until that the yeah. pole breaks. Yeah, and I thought he was dead then. That's when he stops. Yep, I thought he was not. dead then, too. On my yep. first watch of the film, I, I thought he was dead. And that's the mistake he makes because from there, yeah. 
he is transported to the hospital. Both are transported to a hospital, a separate hospital. Like the special agent, he gets out of there, and one of his buddies helps him get somewhere else. So they're like like some field hospital hidden. And unfortunately, his special agent friend says something about how he's been able to track him. And so some stuff happens. He releases him. Did that train where he released him in that tunnel? Didn't it remind you a little bit of the tunnel scene we saw from Again, um, Memories of Murder? And Memories I don't of think murder. it was the same, yeah, but it was that, very similar. Was, but yeah, I feel like that was definitely a call. A call to memories yeah. of a mor- murder. That's what, like, I, I definitely think, like, again, back with the ear, Blue Velvet, the box. Yeah. Like, he was just given his references of the other murder films that he loves. And so, not to give away anything, but we quickly learns that he, as we've said, which we should have known from the cab sequence, Choi's character is persistent and one of the guys says that he says he w- always gets back he like almost gets rest. he always gets his revenge like if you fuck with him he's gonna get it yeah. because kim toys with him for too long and doesn't kill him when he should have like he just kept going too far his oh, yeah. desire for an appetite for this revenge gets the best of him and because of that Choi gets free and then wreaks havoc on some people that we have not mentioned and at the end he even says to him i won like he tells him I won. I beat you. Like, you have nothing you can take from me. You could take limbs off me. Like, I've beaten you now. And before we leave this and go to our list, and we both know how the movie ends, do you think Jang won? Or do you think Agent Kim got the best of this game of cat and mouse at the end of the day? Who do you think really, the end, you know, pulled away the winner? I don't think, uh, I think Kim did win. You do? Because of the final scene. Uh, when, you know, we do get, again, you know, when Kim leaves and the way he rigs him up in there, Saw style, we get to see him beg again. Yeah. You know, in their, in their final encounter. But he's he begging begs for his life. And then goes back. He's begging for his life. But even before that, before he leaves, you know, he be- begs to Kim for his life. And then, you know, then he starts talking shit again and shows that he's not afraid. But then we get to see him panic. Yeah. And he knows that he's already suffered more than his wife has suffered. But it's a bittersweet win. Like, you know, the, the amazing end of this is just Kim crying, finally. I actually think Choi won. I mean, obviously, if you haven't figured out, we think you think, I mean, obviously, it's pretty clear that someone loses their life. However, from the other things we haven't told you about, what he ended up doing to Kim, I think, will last. the re- Like, it's going to forever affect him. Like, yeah, he was able to bring the guy's parents that he abandoned and son, but I don't think he cared about them much. Obviously, he didn't want them to come see what's about to happen to him, but I don't think he gave a, a shit about them. I truly do believe that at the end, even though I feel like it had a very similar twist, kind of like what Old Boy did in a similar way, where the guy we've been following wanting to get the revenge and win the whole time, in the end, kind of does, but the toll with which it took him to get to that, I guess, satisfying ending, the other person, I feel like, exacted so much on them and didn't really lose much except for their life, I feel like Kim, if he decides to live, once the movie ends, he's crying. We don't know if he stays. You know, We don't know anything past what the, you know, what the ending story is. If he does decide to live, he has learned that his, fia- his fian- he's lost his fiance. He's lost other members of his family. Yep. And he finds out that she was pregnant. Yeah. Very o- a big O to yeah. 7. A lot like an know. O to 7, like you said. Again, another uh, O and to 7, yep. I-, I truly do believe that at the end of the day, had he killed uh, Choi's character earlier, before the other events of the end happened... He wins. Yeah. But because he toyed with for too he long. He would have never known. I do believe that Choi was right. And he did win. Yeah. Other people yeah. wouldn't have died because of what, he, what he's been going on and doing. Well, those of you who please go see this movie and then 
you know, still waiting to see if anyone's ever actually. We actually, I do want to say one thing. There is someone who has kind of contacted us, but it's through our social media. A gentleman named Steve Smith from the UK, who is also the host of a podcast called the Way Past Cool Podcast, which is about music. He reached out. Without hearing our actual episode last week, he reached out and was like, you guys are fucking in my DVD collection. Because he couldn't believe what movie we were doing. Yeah, his Blu-ray collection. And yeah, I basically yeah. said, hey, well, thanks for leaving your door open <laughs> so we can come in. Yeah. But it was really cool to hear from Steve. He is a very adamant fan. And I said to him, I said, you're like, you know, one of our few fans, like you and the Volleyball Wilson from fucking Castaway are two <laughs> the biggest fans. <laughs> but I just wanted to give a shout out to Steve Smith for reaching out to us, even though he did it before he heard probably heard this the other podcast but uh, if you get a chance he has a, a podcast called the way past cool podcast talks about music he's a really cool fucking guy and i'm interested to see if he has this movie in his collection well it's pretty cool that uh we found some people of similar taste and i'm definitely thinking about bringing him on i'll definitely reach out to him now especially when you hear this steve i will reach out to you and we'll have him on as a guest because yes, we have yes. some guest spots coming up for some big movies all right, so that being said, please go out and see this movie, and then you can let us know what you think. Who was the actual victor at the end of this film? It's time to make some lists. Our first list is going to be our top five favorite South Korean films. Originally, I sent Matt, we decided the list, and we just put Korean films. I guess we could just say Korean films, because honestly, North Korea is just yeah, putting on propaganda. There's, there's no North but Korean be, We'll be correct in saying the top five Surprise, all South minor Korean films. films. <laughs> so even though it is Matt's last one, fuck him, it's an even one. It's our 34th fucking episode. That's insane still. Every week I say it, but every week it just still amazes me that we've come this far. Yeah. I will lead us off. Matt will pick back off me, and then we'll go to our second list in a little bit. My number five is a movie that came out a couple years ago. A sequel just came out to it. It was a really, really good telling of a zombie movie. I know Matt knows what I'm talking about. Train to Busan. I I watched it over the pandemic when it hit Netflix last year. Actually, I think it was last time I watched it. Oh, so you came late to the I game. absolutely love Well, because I, I hadn't heard about it you know, before mm-hmm. we did the podcast. But then I remember hearing about it, it being on there and someone saying about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because I had nothing else to do during a day. No work not, no work was happening. Um, so I sat down, I watched it, and I absolutely loved Train to Busan. I absolutely hated the sequel. Sequel is garbage and terrible. Just skip yeah, I remember it. remember you calling me after skip, you skip it uh, yeah I, I got to see it in the theaters it was crazy enough i actually was able to yeah uh, when it, they were open for a brief moment in the summertime but my number five is definitely train of busan if you're a fan of fast i would call them the, the fast moving zombies and you want to see it in a claustrophobic setting yeah like world, it's war, like z. world war z yeah, inside a fucking zombie. train and it's great yeah, oh, it's so good really brilliantly good done so keeping it on theme my number five is also a train movie snowpiercer from 2013 from bong joon ho fantastic movie about uh global warming experience <laughs> has uh frozen uh all of the earth and everybody is on uh this train uh is the only remaining people left on one earth, being captain america class Yep, and it's uh, it's a class story, you know. The, obviously, the the train cars progress as the class system builds up, you know. Uh, but it's a fantastic movie from Bob. Absolutely Gino. agree with you. Um, absolutely great. Again, like he said about Parasite being his uh, movie about stairs, this is his movie about hallways. Um, so yeah. But fantastic movie. Uh, Bong Joon-ho can do no wrong. This is a tough list not to be just the Bong Joon-ho list. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead. I'm sure, I'm sure most of you are because you're, you know, <laughs> as, we, as we learned about this Oscar picks. Fuck off. We know where Matt is. My number four is Fucking a movie that you can off. actually see and I watched on Hulu. It's called The Villainous. Uh, the Villainous has a, a feel of like a, vin- a vengeance for uh, Lady Sympathy. Am I saying that right? Yeah, vengeance for Lady Sympathy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm kind of thinking that we should do maybe a, a month to some of the South Korean films because we really have become fans of them. Yeah. So I don't want to get too no, much yeah. away. That'll probably be in season three. <laughs> Look at me being all optimistic that we're going to make it to season three. But <laughs> but The Villainous is really good. You can see it on Hulu. I highly suggest it. If you're a fan of violence in movies, and I am, because like, it's, it's it's fake. Like I don't, I, I know the difference between reality and 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 fiction. All right. So, but if you enjoy a good violent movie, if you're a fan of like Tarantino type violence and stuff, the villainous is up your alley. Like a lot of the South Korean movies, they're kind of up your alley. Like they don't sugarcoat it. Like, but the villainous oh, yeah. is more in no, line not with at all. Tarantino with Kill, Kill Bill, Bill style, style than it is with what we just talked about in this movie. But yeah, with uh, that, I'll bring it to my number four being The Wailing from 2016. It is an absolute phenomenal horror epic. It's it clocks over three hours long. It is about a suspicion leads to hysteria when a rural villager is linked to a series of brutal murders after a mysterious stranger arrives. And that's all I'll say about it, because again, this is definitely going to be a film that will get included into that month, um, because it is absolutely fantastic. My number three was the very first movie that kicked off this never-ending bicentennial-like celebration of Matt's birthday, and that is Memories of Murder. To know how much we love that movie, go ahead and listen to episode 30, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, episode 30. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho, he is a phenomenal director. He has amazing storytelling capabilities. And I just it's, it's a very amazing, riveting uh, murder mystery that's also based on a true story and has amazing performances and will allow you to look back at how horrible the policing is over in South Korea. And you'll get a few good sidekicks as well. So you'll get to bookend our love for for South Korean films by that movie with this one. Yeah. So my number three is going to be Old Boy, as we've already talked about. I love Old Boy. Obviously, go back to the episode if you want to 15. hear us talk any more about it. But How about that? 15 and 15, 15 later? We did 30. So like yeah, that, 15 and 30. Yeah. Look at that. My number two is the 2019 Best Picture winner, Parasite, from once again, Bon Joon-ho. I don't know how much to say about it. It's a brilliant, brilliant story. Yeah. It's also on Hulu at the moment. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It stars are one of our leads from Memories of Murder. But because we might be doing either an all South Korean or an all Bong Joon-ho one, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it, but Let's not definitely, definitely give it a it. shot. It is, it's, oh my God, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So good. It's yeah. it's his best movie to date. Like He's got a great, lot of great movies, but it's yes. hands on his best movie. Yeah. I'm thinking it's someone else's number one, but well, uh, I'll step aside and find out what the number two is. Yeah. So my number two is from Mr. Bong Joon-ho from 2003. It's Memories of Murder. I told you at the start of this birthday fiasco. And I'm here to tell you about it again. So go back to episode 30 if you want to hear any more about it. My number one, I think Matt already knows, it's your number three. And it will always... Uh, it's, I knew it's it. It's my favorite movie. Like, as much as the other movies I've said are great, my very first dipping my toe into these waters was Old Boy. Old Boy blew me away. That's why I was on my birthday list. I absolutely love it. The storytelling. I have not watched the movie with the balls of storytelling that Old Boy has. There's just not been a movie, and that can, all the Tarantino movies, no movie I've said it at the end was like, holy fuck. It was just kind of like, like, I love The Usual Suspects, which we might talk about in December. I love the twist in that movie. The twist in this one was like, I just, I couldn't, like, it yeah. was just unfathomable. Mind blowing. That, but yet, it was delicious. You know what I mean? Like, but you're still kind of like, 
as bizarre and horrific as that is, my mind was like, wow. I was just so impressed with the balls to tell that story, to be like, no, we're, we're, we're taking yeah. this where you don't want it to go. It felt so much more lifelike. You know what I mean? It felt like, yeah, no, I felt like this is what yeah. you would do. But yeah, right. I will always yeah. love it. It'll always be my top. Unless something, you know, maybe, maybe a Bon Jun will come out and do, you know, just do a story like <laughs> over old boy. And he'd be like, holy, you know, he's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. so I'll be so blown away. I will have, my head will actually explode in the theater and that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with that, my number one being uh, what you already pre- predicted, the Academy Award winning best picture. Parasite it is phenomenal. Again, don't we want to talk about it because I'm sure we will talk about it. We have the to, yeah. amazing thriller comedy Parasite. It's hilarious and just fantastic. It's such a smart film. Again, Genius. another film about class. You know, two class films that he did uh, with uh, Snowpiercer and Parasite. Just, yeah, it, 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 like I said, that's why it was my number two. It's just a brilliant movie. It really is amazing. I was blown away when I went and saw it last year in the theater. I was like, so when it won, I was like, yeah, no, I felt felt right. Like last year, it felt right. This year, I was like, eh. right. anyways, there you have it. Good lord, uh, there's not many different movies. So our our top three are similar, just in different order. So we have seven seven movies two. to which you could see of South Korean films. Two include this one we have here. So eight, eight 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 overall, and there are more. There are ones that I've left off from Bong Joon Ho from others that we just left off because I felt these were the strongest ones. And I didn't want to do all Bong Joon-ho because Mother and some other ones are on, on here. Like, you could have slid them in. Yeah, but I was so like, like I wanted oh to God. give yeah, a, a, literally... a, you know, at least a little bit of palette for other, other people to see. Other, yeah, a little. I know. Yeah. Literally, mine has three on here. And one's technically not even really a Korean That's why film. I didn't pick Snowpiercer because I was like, ah, I was like it doesn't yeah. feel like a Korean film. But it's kind of, yeah, very on the edge. All right, so for our last list of this episode, and last one for Matt's, we are going to do, a couple weeks ago, we did our top five avenging female movies when we did Promising Young Woman. This week, we are going to do our top five avenging male movies. So, Matt, you will lead us off, and I will close us out. So I'm going to start mine right off in 1994 with Mr. Brandon Lee in The Crow. Fantastic movie. Uh, his career cut too short by, by some the movie. horrific accident that happened during the filming of this movie and him getting actually shot. Uh, but it's a great movie uh, about, you know, it's you know, being murdered and his wife being uh, his girlfriend being killed and then him coming back as The Crow um in exacting uh vengeance on everybody involved in the murder. Um, and it's just a fantastic movie from the 90s. Again, a career cut way too short by a horrific accident. It is also my number five, The Crow. Do not see The Crow That's 2. Crazy. Garbage. The Crow 2 is as... No, the don't Crow not 2 see... is, no. is as bad as isn't Escape Milo, from L.A. Like the, the, those two should, those yeah. movies should never made. But Escape from L.A. at least is kind of fun no, to watch. No, like it's, it's fun for its cheesy awful. horribleness. The only thing that's good is to see Snake Plissken again. Other than that, it's awful. This yeah. was the Crow Two should never have made it was terrible, and absolutely terrible. But the Crow, I agree with you 100. And you forget that's a, a revenge movie. You know what I mean? Because the Crow is so many yeah. gothic and other things that you know people kind of fell in love with. Yep, really did start the whole goth scene from the 90s. Fucking amazing soundtrack. Yeah. Oh. A, a brilliant soundtrack. Oh, Raging so Machine, good. Nine Inch so Nails, good. covering Joy yeah. Division on Very it. Good. So fucking good. So with that, I'll bring it to my number four, being The Professional from 1994 also, with Mr. Leon uh, avenging for um, Natalie Portman's character in it. Fantastic movie. I'm sure we will talk 
about it one day on here. Shortly. Because it is one of those ones that <laughs> might I feel be coming like up soon. has either been talked about or has not been talked about. It's been seen by people or has not been seen. Agree. My number four is the rebirth of Mr. Keanu Reeves in John Wick. It is such a good revenge story. The other two are good, but the first one's revenge. The other two are not. Yeah, the other two are just like running for your yeah. life because of the stuff you decided to do from number one. Yeah, in the first one. In the John first Wick, one, yep. not just avenging the death of his wife. He actually avenged the death of his dog. Yeah, it's That's dog. right. His wife it's had died. Dog, the only yeah. thing he had left was the puppy. They steal his car, the and they kill the dog, and he fucking goes... Ape shit. Just say fucking bananas. Don't fuck with dudes that have had traumatic experiences and all they had left was their dogs. Because as we talked about with the rover, Guy Pierce. You know what you learn? You learn don't mess with a man and his vehicle and his car and his dog. If you fuck with his car and dog, you're fucking dead. You're gonna be killed. You're done. Yeah, so me, John Wick. And I I mean you gotta love Keanu Reeves in that movie. He's he's perfect for that. Yeah. Oh, he's he is so great in that. So, yeah, so my number three is Prisoners uh, from Denny Villeneuve uh, from 2013, specifically involving the Hugh Jackman character in it, because he would be the avenging uh, male in the situation of going on his own path to figure out who has kidnapped him and his best friend's uh, daughters. And it is brutal, the the lengths he goes to try to find it, because... He feels like uh, the police force, including Jake Gyllenhaal's character Loki in it, are not doing the best they can to find his daughter. And it is an amazing film. Absolutely phenomenal. I I think it it was the first film I ever seen from Denis Villeneuve, but it's so good. And Paul Dano in that is amazing. He's really good in that he movie. He is great in that. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal Such, it's, is it's fucking really insane. Yeah. So great. As great performances from everybody in that. My number three comes from... Our favorite director, Mr. Quentin Tarantino. And look, there's a lot of them you could pick, but it's Avenging Male. So I went with Django Unchained. Once again, very cartoonish like violence, but oh, so satisfying. So satisfying to see Christoph Waltz. Ain't nothing more fun than watching oh, slave, slave owners get I killed forget on screen. The, <laughs> more fun than I that. love when he's like, get away from the white people. <laughs> and then uh, he said, yeah. forget her name, Miss Ellie, whatever. So say bye to Miss Ellie, blows her off fucking screen. I love that yeah. movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx is so good in it. Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing, and so is Christoph Waltz, and, of course, Samuel Jackson. It's brilliant. Everything about it, it's funny, but I love Django Unchained. Brilliant, brilliant movie. So much fun, and uh, just a great revenge film to see slave owners get fucking fucked up. Oh, Oh, yeah. Unless, of course, from the South, you're a piece of shit, but then you know what? Tough shit, motherfucker. My ancestors. Oh, my God. Fuck you. That's my (laughs) great-great-grandfather. Fuck you. But yeah, with that, I will. Uh, it will bring come to a, my number two being the Revenant with Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio winning his Oscar, and this did win Best Picture that year, it I did. believe, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it was back to back for what's uh, his name? Because he Hugh won um, for Birdman, yeah, and then this, Birdman. yeah, back to back, and then he's like, I'm gonna for, take yeah. a break from directing because I've won two in a row. You know, yeah. I'm gonna let some of you others yeah, get some, like, Fuck some wins. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he ducked out. Yeah, now it's been six years. He's been gone for since this but yeah the true story of hugh glass um you know going out and getting revenge for the people that left him for dead after he was attacked by and killed his son and that's the revenge part is they killed his native american son always they did as they call them happy but his half uh half american half native son native son yeah so that's such a good movie oh my god my number two we covered in our ninth episode with the great nicholas cage it's mandy 
when a bunch of nice. wackadoo fucking <laughs> it's almost rhetorical <laughs> wackadoo cult. cult religious people decide that they want his girlfriend to, or wife to be a part of their cult and she laughs at his tiny dick <laughs> and his singing ability and they <laughs> kill her oh my god and so then good. he proceeds to make his own axe and go after people with a chainsaw and just unleash fucking hell Mandy is a psychedelic fucking horror trip of revenge, and I fucking love it. And you should know that if you follow this on the Nicolas Cage podcast, you should know that because we put it on our first year of horror movie, our horror fest on it. So love, love, love me, Mandy. It's fucking Mandy. Watch fucking Mandy already. How many more fucking times do we got to bring yeah, this up? Watch it. <laughs> it's been repeated over and over again. With that, will bring me to my number one being Memento. Fantastic film. And fantastic story of an avenging male. You know, he is trying to find out who murdered his wife. And it's just, again, it started with uh, Nolan's obsession with the way to fuck around with time and storytelling. It's fantastic. Uh, there's really nothing I promise more I can you, folks, I that hope before 2021 ends, it. you will have heard about Memento. I promise that will happen. All right? <laughs> Heavy foreshadowing. My number one was already a number one. Today, and it is Old Boy. The revenge story in that is absolutely mind-blowing. Similar to this film, except obviously, you know, the revenge that our main character in this movie, or our villain in this movie, exacted was because of the stuff that had been happening to him. Uh, Mr. Chin Ming's sick, his character as Daisu in Old Boy, exacting revenge for being in prison for 15 years, only to realize that he was imprisoned by a guy who was exacting revenge on him. Basically a double revenge and the shit that happens and, you know, you're so excited about all the stuff that Chin Ming is doing and the ass whippings he's handing out and all these cool things he's doing. And then you realize the real diabolical twist, why he was in prison and what has happened, the reasons you're just blown away. Old Boy is amazing, as I said earlier and as I already have described in our 15th episode. So there you have it. There is our list. We met up once at the very beginning at number five with the crow we have nine yeah nine movies with which to see that are avenging male movies you know the plight of the male is is tough but um, there you go so seven south korean films we really enjoy nine avenging male movies we really enjoy and we have finally reached the end of Matt's first of ever extravaganza as he turned 35. We are going to have, we have some good movies coming up for you for the rest of this month as it will go from Matt's birthday celebration to what we're calling War Memorial. All right. We're going to have nothing but war films coming up for the rest of May. We have some good ones. I'm not even going to tell you, you're just going to have to wait. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so fucking pumped. I'm really pumped. Yeah. And we're going to start getting through spring and summer. We've got some good stuff coming up to finish off our first season here on Watch That Podcast. So well, thanks again for uh, joining us, those of you who continue to listen to us. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you. It's been a long five weeks. We have 11 months to recoup and get ready for the, hopefully the next one only has four, but who knows? <laughs> so until <laughs> next time. Watch this or die. Mm-hmm. 
so that will do it for this week's installment. Once again, we would both like to thank you for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now, we do hope that you will enjoy it as much as we have, so please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, feel free to DM us your thoughts of this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies for us to watch. Now, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crosher. I'm Matt LaPlante. And until next time, watch this or die.